Yeah, people, I told I was going to this race and they, they were thinking I was mad. <laughs> you know, as a mountain runner, you don't want to go around in circles. <laughs> so you don't want to have any loops. And as a mountain runner, you want high mountains. So you don't want to run on a flat. And then, and then apart from that, it's hot. You know, what yep. are you doing there? <laughs> and I was, this is something which is really a challenge. I love it. Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast. With your hosts, Norman and Jody, discover the inspiring stories of the average and not-so-average runners. And they're off. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> we don't often do podcasts at this hour, but here we are. <laughs> Up and ready to go. Yeah, we're excited for today's guest. But before that, mm -hmm. but first... What's happening in the ultra scene? Well, first of all... Huge congratulations to our three Canadians who participated in Big's Backyard last week. That's right. It was a long, long journey they went through. Amazing, amazing performances by Ihor, Amanda, and Eric. And of course, if you were following along, you know that Ihor came second, which is absolutely incredible. And congratulations to Harvey because... Honestly, I was shocked at how coherent he was at yeah. the end of the race. He was making full sentences. He made sense. Ihor, on the other <laughs> hand, looked a little stunned. He wasn't sure where he was. Yeah. But all things considered, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I don't know if I have it in me to even attempt to be at the start line in one of those things. <laughs> Thank goodness you don't. But I was going to ask you that without telling you. I was going to ask you, what do you think of I think it's an incredible uh, format. I would do it just to get a hundred miler and then, because I think that's everyone's goal to at least get that. Right. And then after that, what do you got left? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Give me si sips of vodka and I'll find out for you. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. All right. So next up, we thought we would just briefly touch on the whole controversy between UTMB and Whistler without really getting into the nuts and bolts of it because... I'm sure if you've been following along, you've probably read Gary Robbins' blog. He's since been on a podcast to explain it. If you haven't been following along, basically, uh, UTMB has committed to doing a race in Whistler, uh, basically on the exact same weekend, same course to the most part, that Gary Robbins had a race that he was essentially pushed out by Vale, who owns Whistler Resorts, yada, yada, yada. There's lots of information out on the web. We're not going to get into the yeah, nuts and bolts. Yeah, because we don't know all the nuts and bolts. So we we're don't. Just gonna, we're, just, we're just reading and skimming along with it. Right. But here's our little take on the thing, because we've had some listeners ask us about this situation. And to me, there's really one point that I want to make. But just as some backup, uh, when we heard that Iron Man was taking over UTMB in 2021, which I thought it was way before that, but the time since the pandemic has been in some kind of warp drive. How about that little Star, Star Trek <laughs> reference for you, Norm, this early in the morning? Anyways, uh, it only happened in 2021. Is The first thing we thought of was, uh-oh, we don't want them in, in trail running. This is going to be some foreshadowing of what's to come. Secondly... We were crushed because you were supposed to do UTMB in 2020 before this happened. Right. I, my journey to UTMB was pre-Iron Man. Right. I was on my way getting this journey done. Exactly. And I was all set to go in 2020. Well, the world shut down. That's why I couldn't go. And we found out that Iron Man took over in 2021. We're like, oh, no. Oh, no. The timing <laughs> couldn't have been worse. And as an addition to that... I got into OCC in 2020, mm -hmm. and when they came out with their ridiculous deferral offer, uh, that was it. I washed my hands of it mm. because I was not going to give another dime because I knew what was coming with you and all the money that was invested in getting <laughs> you there. Not going to give another dime to it. So I stood my ground, and I'm glad that I did, quite honestly, because I don't think that experience for me would have been... Yeah, you had a much better experience running the Alps. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which so, you can do. You don't have to do UTMB. You just go run the Alps. Exactly. So at the end of the day, if if UTMB is your dream and you've been working on this for a long time. Or, or any other. UTMB 
race out there. Yeah, any other UTMB race out there, go for it. Do it. it you, you can't give up on something that you've wanted to do forever. And your experience will be whatever it is, right? All we're saying is don't forget the little races. Don't forget the smaller community races, whether they put on one or they put on five. Where you probably started racing to begin with. Exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> we, and I'm saying we now because we're in this exact boat, we don't have the luxury or the sustainability to be able to withstand a bad year. Mm. We're all still recovering from what the pandemic did to events. And we don't have that luxury. If if races don't go well for us, we have to make a tough decision. Whereas the big guys have a little bit more flexibility there. So Yes, go after whatever those races that they put on, huge destinations, huge bucket list places. Mm. And you and I travel to bucket list destinations to do races specifically, but we also travel and then decide, oh, let's see if there's a race. Yeah, there's, if there's a local race while we're there, exactly, we go and do it. And chances are those are independent small races and we love the experience of that. So all we're saying is support your local events. Keep signing up for them. Don't wait for the last minute. We love sellouts too. <laughs> so, you know, sign up as soon as registration comes out. It's the best price anyway, usually. And, and that, yeah, having said that, MIUT in Madeira sold out in seven minutes. Seven minutes. Which is a big UTMB race. And that's a race director's dream. Absolutely. <laughs> However, that's what we wanted to say about that. Yeah. So su support your local races. Support your local races. And uh, yes, there you go. And <laughs> now on some uh, more happier news in the in the world of ultra, Havelina just finished. Who's on the podcast today? Well, today we have Ragna de Bots. She's 44, represents the Netherlands, but she lives in Spain with her partner and her family. She just placed second at Havelina 100 mm -hmm. and earned her return trip to Western States. Yep. She has some pretty epic podiums all around the world. Definitely check out her ITRA and Ultra sign up because talk about destination races. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Those include Costa Rica, Morocco, and of course, all over Europe. So we're excited to find out about her Havelina experience and some other exciting things she's done. Absolutely. And here's Ragnick coming up. Hey guys, just a heads up before you listen to this podcast with Ragna. She was in a remote mountainous location and our connection through Zoom was a little bit sketchy at times. So Norm's done his best to clean it up and we hope you enjoy. Hi Ragna. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. Hey, you're Javelina's rest. <laughs> yeah, just for you. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, Pesa. <laughs> really cool. Are you in your camper van? Yeah, yeah. Because I actually live on a mountain, and where I live, it, there's not a great connectivity. Like, uh, it's difficult to get. Well, conversion going. I can I can hardly make phone calls, and it's it's difficult to get the Wi-Fi or uh, yeah, the Wi-Fi, the internet. So normally I go down to, to do this sort of things. And then I go to the camp for him because that's, <laughs> that's my only place down here. <laughs> that's not a bad thing to be living in a place where you can't have constant access. <laughs> no, it is really good actually because people know they can't call me. Uh, usually I tell the people to send me a WhatsApp message, an audio message, because I do prefer audio messages, but, and then they make 10 minutes or 10 minute audio messages and I don't care, but I can listen to it whenever I want to. So it's, 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 yeah, it's good anyway. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a very a mountainous life, like very, very natural life. Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. That's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> Welcome, Ragna, to the podcast, and big congrats on placing second at Havelina and a golden ticket winner. Has any of that sunk in yet? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I think that uh, sunk in immediately. And the more I think about my race, uh, the happier I am about it, because I realize 
I didn't have much time to prepare the race in itself because only like five weeks before I was racing a mountain race and uh, I had a very, very small specific preparation period and I didn't have any heat adaptation. Uh, I had a long journey to get there, uh, staying in an Airbnb away, like depending on people. So I had to get used quickly to different foods and to sort myself out and uh yeah thinking about all those fac factors uh i i am really pleased about uh my performance there it could have been much much worse <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> at first when i was running it i was disappointed like um the first round went well uh i went with a group of runners which meant that I went slightly faster than I wanted. I would have gone, like if I had run on my own, but I took the advantages of running together with people. And then the second round, I thought, uh, well, you shouldn't have done that. And now you have to like, you know, slow down already. And that's too soon. I wanted to do the first two rounds exactly at the same pace. And I, I wasn't, uh, I could have done it, but I wouldn't have finished the whole race probably. <laughs> so I, I really had to like make a thought and, and slow down a little bit to be able to, to find a, a better, more sustainable pace. So that was something mentally like hard to digest whilst I was running. <laughs> and, and then the third round was also difficult because it, the heat got on me and my body just got overheated all the time. And I had to keep stopping a long time at the eight stations to just get eyes on me and cool that. But before we get into too much detail about Havelina, we want to ask you about your, this incredible YouTube series that we came across called Rolling Mountains. <laughs> Can you tell us about oh, this, nice. this journey that you guys went on, your family? Yes. Uh, I'm really pleased that uh, you saw the videos and that you're interested in, in hearing about it because, because it kind of got forgotten a little bit um mm. it was a project that uh we started uh just before covid 19 started and uh of all the things that could have happened like injury or any other issues i wouldn't have imagined <laughs> like something like a virus coming up <laughs> and uh yeah the idea was to Within one year, travel the whole world to the, all the different continents and to um, make a documentary on all the continents of how uh, we lived as a family, traveled and prepared a race at the same time together with our daughter and, and our dogs if, if they could come. So uh, in a way, it got interfered a lot um, by COVID, uh, which really got on us when we were in, uh, well, actually at the end of our South America trip, which was the second episode. But um, so we went to Central America and did uh, like a self-isolation there, which turned into a really cool adventure. And <laughs> if you've seen the episode, you know, uh, I think we experienced something nobody would ever be able to experience naturally you could mm. plan it as like a planned documentary but it was really something we were living in reality and we could also film it the way we were living it so that was something really special and uh, thanks to COVID we were able then to travel a lot slower mm -hmm. and see a lot more of the continents we travel to and uh, so in the end, I can see it as a positive thing as well. The journey has been a really, really good journey. And the idea was to um, to finish it and then to make a film of it. Right. But we still haven't finished it. That's why we never really promoted it. So they are available to anybody to see them and to get inspired <laughs> and, uh, and maybe motivated. Uh, but uh, we haven't uh, made any publicity for it. But um, because we still have one continent, which is New Zealand uh, mm -hmm. or Oceania uh, yeah. to do. So which we hope to be able to do like somewhere in the future. But yeah, it's a, a beautiful project. And it, it was very difficult. I think it's probably about the most difficult things you can do because traveling doesn't really go together with racing because you always traveling is like a tiring thing. Mm -hmm. especially if you do it in an intense intense way with your family and then also wanting to be at your best performing well in 
ultra uh, races. Uh, it was quite hard to combine, but also super interesting uh, for me personally to 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 experience this experience and to 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 live it and and well the travels anyway like the people you meet uh, uh, on your way and the nature it it was amazing yeah did you have a favorite place out of all the places that you went to uh difficult no it's difficult to say because in some places maybe you could say like the the nature is really beautiful and other places you have special memories because of the race or mm. other experiences they're running um and other maybe other places uh, i've got good memories of the people i met so it's a real mixture it's always it's it's the same when you ask me about my favorite race it, it would be very difficult to answer like <laughs> uh, yeah I always get with many things, like many aspects. So, so yeah. It took a lot of organization. I can't imagine how difficult it was to get your dogs to all of these countries without the quarantines and the paperwork and the shots and everything. It must have been so difficult. Yeah, it, it is very difficult, especially when they require like a vet from the States to, to sign the documents that they mm -hmm. are normally very difficult uh, difficult to get an appointment with them it's also difficult to to get them to to well see that everything is is all right and uh i, I can i'm thinking now of our journey to north america when uh, uh, i ran western states it when because it was covid you couldn't actually then travel directly to the united states um you could only enter the states through certain countries and you had to have been in, in those countries like at least, I think, two weeks. And then mm -hmm. you could enter uh, the States. So one of those, we wanted to go to the United States because we wanted to, to film, to do the, the episode there. And um, I didn't know at that time I was going to raise the Western States yet because that was a last thing as well. And um, so, but we just, we saw... I did like a little bit of research and I saw that you could, I could go, we could go there through Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. Well, Costa Rica was a country we'd been to, we know many people and um, we actually liked the idea of going back to Costa Rica for a couple of weeks before, before going to the, the States. So that's what we did. And then uh, we planned with our dogs to go to, to the same isolated place in the jungle full of like natural dangers really for the dogs as well <laughs> so it was quite a, a risky thing to do but uh, at the same time something really really beautiful like if you think of being there like with everybody together so so we did that uh, it was very hard to get the papers for for the dogs to get to the united states so uh, it was a lot of work to be done at home and uh <laughs> There was even like, it almost got wrong. They said, no, sorry, we won't let you dog travel. And I mm. managed to speak to my vet and uh, to get the stamps <laughs> that, that were needed yeah. <laughs> to get the other <laughs> vet to agree <laughs> that the dog could travel. And, and I went back against the time. It was, a, it was a race against the time in the end because <laughs> they were closing and I was going up and down from Barcelona to my place and back. And I, in the end, I managed it so they could travel. Yeah, I was really pleased about that. And then, so they went to Costa Rica, the dogs, and then uh, we entered the United States with the dogs. Uh, it went well. And, and then it was easy because we went on a road trip and they could just stay with us in the, in the motorhome, uh, which was an easy way to, to move around. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brew is very, very fun to watch on video, especially in Nepal. Just seeing him taking up those mats. He was ahead of you guys the whole time, it seemed. He's such a energetic dog. And when you look at his breed, I don't know much about that breed, but I wouldn't have thought he would be such a capable runner. <laughs> no, uh, actually, his aspect is a very, like, a big, heavy dog because he has so much hair. But when he's wet, he almost looks like a windhound. So he's Ooh. actually very skinny and very athletic. And he's got exceptional jumping skills mm. i think it's incredible how i've never seen another dog jumping as high 
both up and down as as this dog can do. He has it's incredible. It's like whoa, he just jumped that. It's, it's really like <laughs> impressive. <laughs> it's really impressive. <laughs> and um, yeah, he he can run fast. I mean, when he was young, we took him out skiing sometimes downhill skiing. You know, you you, you go down pretty fast, and he just. <laughs> ran along down in the snow and uh, he's a dog he really loves the cold so that's why we were confident to take him to like colder places as well it was also like quite difficult to travel there because the place where we went to you have to go by a little airplane to Lukla it is a very small like in in <laughs> well uh, airport like in in uh, Himalaya and uh, it's not allowed to go there on the plane with a dog, and mm. because I really I had good connections there, I was able to to manage them to agree with us taking the dog right in the plane, loose. Just Ooh. like there were, a couple, I think there are like twenty four people in one plane, or maybe less. And he was just sitting in the middle. It, it, <laughs> so he was just yeah, it was quite it was really something exceptional. And when we actually got there. Um, and we entered the park. They also said, like, no, a dog cannot enter the park. And uh, which, is, which you imagine, like, a dog entering the national park. They wouldn't normally let a dog enter. And we then just convinced the people that uh, we were there and we had the dog and there was no way back. And uh, <laughs> so they, they let us get into the park. But there are a lot of wild dogs, half wild dog, and, and they, they kept attacking Prue all the mm. time. We kept receiving messages from from people at home, from everywhere from the world. What are you doing to your dog? He's too cold. He will get problems with his feet, with his paws. And and he was having the best time of his life, really and truly. I know for sure if he could talk and you would ask him, what was your best like <laughs> holidays or what was the best time you spent? He would say Nepal because he, he absolutely loved it. He was just... I just loved it. He was just on the snow all the time, rolling around, running, playing, and he got really active and happy. So it, it's, yeah, we will always remember him. Uh, <laughs> how 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 we how we yeah how we experienced Nepal. I think uh, he's still he's still alive. He's he's eleven. He's nearly eleven now, but he's oh. still really really good on his legs and still enjoying, especially the winters. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, we are content creators ourselves and i just want to tell all our listeners about rolling mountains it's a seven part series on youtube check it out and when you're there subscribe to your channel and also su subscribe to our channel gotta run racing <laughs> shameless plug <laughs> no definitely if anybody wants inspiration and motivation especially at this time of year we're heading into a time change Everyone falls back an hour. It's dark in the morning. It's dark at night. This is your inspiration. So please watch the videos. Rolling mountains. <laughs> Rolling mountains. And we can't wait for New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. We were almost going there last year. I was uh, thinking of running Brisbane, uh, Brisbane Ultra Race. And uh, I got injured. So it was out of question anyway. Uh, well, actually, it was this year. This year, like this summer, it would have been. <laughs> so next year, I have other plans because then we figured out that maybe it was better to go there in the winter, like January, mm. because then it's summer. And uh, maybe if we go in the summer here, it will be too cold. A lot of mountains will be snowed. Mm -hmm. So, so we were, I'm still like thinking what we should do. I think e either in winter or in summer, we can find really cool places to go to. But uh, we have to find the right time. And uh, I also really want to figure out if we can take the dogs there. So that would mean to go for a longer period of time. One of the races that we wanted to talk to you about, because um, we're interested in doing it ourselves, is Istria. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience in Istria and a little course description? Because it looks absolutely stunning. Uh, yeah, it was a really uh, cool journey. We went there together uh, with the family. I took Anna. It's a really beautiful place, uh, very characteristic, different from, from Spain where I live. So uh, that was new for me, like different landscapes, uh, not so high mountains. And the race has uh, ha doesn't have so much altitude gain, I think. There is quite a lot, but it's quite runnable. 
uh, like many American races, I think. Uh, so this is something I really like. Um, I like this specifically because it goes through many different villages mm. and you actually run through the villages and mm. they are often on a hill and then you go down again. And so you actually see a little bit of the culture as well as the nature. And I also really liked uh, uh, the difficult, the differences in climate, like mm. from sea level to just like a relatively low altitude. The climate seems seemed to change a lot. On the lower part, it was more humid and warm. And then sometimes you went up and in my year, it was even like raining, misty, windy like i had to put my my jacket on and that was just so close to the sea and then afterwards i went down and it was hot again so it was uh very varied uh i really loved it yeah definitely i would recommend it okay yeah. well that's good to know it's definitely on our list so we'll uh we'll, we'll work towards that one <laughs> yeah okay let's talk javelina are you ready <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Considering that you are a mountain runner, what drew you to this flattish, fast desert race? <laughs> yeah, people, I thought I was going to this race and they, they were thinking I was mad. <laughs> you know, as a mountain runner, you don't want to go around in circles. <laughs> so you don't want to have any loops. <laughs> and as a mountain runner, you want high mountains so you don't want to run on a flat and then and then apart from that it's hot you know what yep. are you doing there <laughs> and i was this is something which is really a challenge i love it looping means that you can actually really analyze your performance after that because you're doing exactly the same loops even though the climate like like the weather changes the heat but uh it's really good for analytics i think and for mm. yourself to get to know yourself uh, how will my mind cope with having to do loops? How will my body cope with it? I can analyze this afterwards. I feel it <laughs> on the way as well. And uh, heat is something which has always attracted me. Like, I don't know, I, I like running in, in different climates. It's, it's like a challenge, I think. And, and desert, uh, it's a desert, very unique. Uh, it, I heard in the States only here you have these cacti. Mm -hmm. I feel very privileged uh, to have been there and to, to have been able to run in such a terrain. It's, it's, for me, it was a unique experience. And then the whole party, <laughs> the way they celebrate <laughs> this race, is, it's unique. I mean, I see, I've never seen this. It's, I mean, uh, sometimes when you see the media, it even seems more like a party than a race. And when I was there, it re I really experienced it as a race. You know, the race aspect is much more important than the party aspect, uh, definitely. But it's it's really cool to, you know, to have this to it. And for the people that are there just to to enjoy and, and combine this sports aspect with the, the fun aspects. Uh, I really loved it, yeah. <laughs> Did you run the course beforehand? No, I didn't. Um, the same because I live so far away. I arrived on Monday evening uh, because of the, the time, uh, the difference in time, which was nine hours. It's a lot. And when I arrived, I felt my body was really ne needed to, to recover mm -hmm. from the travels. I wasn't actually, I was running with a, a very high heart rate the first day. So with my coach, we decided to do only a couple of very easy runs and to really like use this week to to rest uh, because we could bring more damage and uh, recovering was uh, the most important mm -hmm. i did go to the course and i ran a little bit so i ran the um, escondido trail in mm -hmm. the opposite way mm -hmm. And then when I got to the junction, I went down the last part. So from the last aid station until the finish. So I did, I did see a little part of the course. Mm -hmm. And so I got an idea of what it would be like. And how were you feeling at the start line? Were you feeling somewhat recovered and ready to take it on? Yeah, I think the day before the race was the first day that I thought, oh, yeah. You know, even if I had to race today, I, I would be all right. And so it's perfect timing tomorrow i will i will be fine and it really felt like that i really felt good on my legs and i felt well rested uh, on the race day 
since you've done so much traveling through time zones and racing through time zones, do you have any tips or tricks that help you with getting adjusted to the time zone you're in? Have you checked out our virtual series yet? We Run the North. Celebrating Canada's national parks features a total of 13 10-kilometer challenges, one for each province and territory. How many national parks can you name? Medals that connect, license plate style bibs, and cool swag can be yours. Visit gotterunracing.com for more details. I think you have to really respect uh, your body. So when you feel tired, uh, rest. Even if it's not really the time of the day you would like to rest, you know, use this time to rest. It's like when you have a baby <laughs> as a mother, sometimes you sleep during the day because you you know like oh i have one hour now because before my my baby is gonna wake up i let's rest now because afterwards i'm not sure what's going to ha going to happen and mm -hmm. i feel it's the same when you travel you never you cannot really anticipate when you will get tired and mm -hmm. when you will be tired so when you are tired uh respect this and and rest and uh and then because at other moments maybe you won't sleep and you won't be able to rest and that will keep you tired all the time so you have to really focus on on recovery and uh yeah give your body the rest it needs to to be able to yeah to adapt that's good advice yeah yeah and then i for me it was like i knew the race was going to start at six o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. so early for the people living there but for me it was like well in my time it would have been three o'clock in the afternoon. So I I never really adapted more than to this time. So I mm -hmm. in the morning, usually every day I woke up at five o'clock and that was fine with me because I thought, okay, at race day I'll be I'll be awake even earlier. Like so that's fine. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, and then I just really got to bed really early, like at eight o'clock. Usually I was in my bed. Um, <laughs> but that was all right. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> take us through the first half of the race how long did it take you to settle into your groove as you mentioned at the beginning you were you, you did go out a little too fast so let's just briefly go through that again yeah i started off running and uh, i think many people that have raised javelina will have experienced like a similar feeling like it feels just so easy so runnable so fast um, so it's you have to like almost uh, break yourself a little bit and, and, and pace yourself really well um, I found myself in a situation that I was running with a group probably like the second group I, I guess there were some front runners go get, going out fast and then there was a group and I was the last or the second last of that group and I felt really comfortable with that pace and I checked my heart rate and it was below 150 which 150 would have been like the highest I would have let it uh, go up to mm -hmm. and I was going like at 148 which is all right for me I can like there's not too much lactate uh, produ being produced so I, I can maintain that pace uh, but I still found like um on my own, I would have run slightly slower, but only like slightly slower. So I was considering at that moment, should I drop off the, the group and just take, go at my own pace uh, with the, the loss of the benefits I, I get out of this, this group? In the end, they were pacing me. They were going a steady rhythm. There were probably some experienced runners who had run before. So they knew you know what the course was like where uh slow down a little bit where to accelerate so uh i considered and i thought uh let's go with the group because uh that way i will get to know the course in an easy way um they will pace me and i will, I will get all that, those benefits whether this was the right or wrong decision i don't know really because in the end uh, there's always it's difficult and nobody is able in this race to maintain the same pace throughout the course. There's always a loss. Uh, I guess it, the more things that affect you, the, the greater the loss. Uh, but uh, so in my case, I just felt at the second start of the second loop, I felt, all right, uh, I, now I have to slow down a bit because uh, I won't be able to, to run all the loops with the same feeling of effort 
pace. Uh, yeah, the effort, the input I put from my side, even though the pace goes slower. Like, I think, I think what usually happens, like in your mind, you put in the same effort. Uh, you have sent you more, but the pace, the actual pace goes down. <laughs> That's unavoidable. I mean, so at least from all the people, all the all the people that have won, all the people that I checked on, they, every loop there, there was a loss. And with some runners, it was like bigger, some runners slower. But uh, compared to like a marathon, where you keep up the same pace mm -hmm. uh, and maybe even speed up, and yeah, at the end of a marathon, it's not the case with with such a long race. Probably because of the mileage, uh, I think human beings are not capable of maintaining exactly the same pace. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so that's uh, yeah. How it went. I just uh, respected myself, and I thought I literally thought in my head, be gentle. You know, do your best, but be gentle. Like, don't overdo it. And uh, yeah, be be gentle. And uh, that's how I ran the second uh, round, even though I was a little bit disappointed in my with myself so i had to really you know mentally overcome this 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 disappointment and uh and just keep going and then the third one was just so hot <laughs> that's it. there was another like, i really slowed down there because um i thought i'm not from here and if i'm going to push yeah my body probably is going to react on this and i might get stomach problems or uh, another kind of, of problem so i i prefer to go safe and to, to slow down which meant like my heart rate but meant much slower as well lower um but uh yeah i think i did strategically in my case i think it was a good decision because uh, actually the fourth loop i i uh, haven't checked on it but i think i ran it faster than the third one mm. and the fourth loop the last part of the fourth loop it got cold it cooler it got it was still light but it was a little bit cooler uh so my body was uh, a little bit like less overheated, even though I still <laughs> suffered from heat all the time. I kept putting ice on me all the time. <laughs> even in the last loop, when when it was dark, I kept putting ice on me. And I, and and when I finished, I really still felt, you know, my body was just overheated. And uh, <laughs> uh, only like about when I when I got home. Uh, one and a half hour after the race suddenly i start shivering and it was like a, a complete change from that's a terrible feeling um <laughs> be feeling hot all the time suddenly i was just and stay there for a long time to get so yeah that was my my experience <laughs> probably at what point of the race did you position yourself in second place because it seems there was a lot of back and forth um, I think I ran second, uh, late. I, and I haven't done running, but I think she was not for me in front of me after the first loop, probably. But she was in first place, and I was in second place. And during the at like getting to the third aid station, I think in the third loop, I got passed mm. by Riley. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was going, she passed me and she wanted to impress me like she was going fast. And I was thinking, mm, I'm not sure if that's right, because, you know, either you are really adapted to the heat and you can cope with it or you're going to pay for this. Uh, so I didn't try to follow her at all. I let her go because I, for me, it wouldn't have been an option with the climate to, mm. to, to speed up at that moment. And uh, actually, I think what happened to her was that she really had to pay for it afterwards because i i got to the to the um, to the start finish line like with and she had five minutes uh advances mm -hmm. to me and i started uh uh the fourth loop and with the idea uh i can get her again five minutes is not a lot and there are still two loops to go so a lot can happen and yeah, that was a, a good mindset, I think, was uh, then towards the, again, the, the third aid station, we passed her and and then I was back into second place. And uh, that was a good for motivation for me. Like I felt, it felt really good because I knew, again, I was like, uh, uh, the golden ticket was in my hands again. And uh, <laughs> it was worth fighting for that and keep that. <laughs> <laughs> second place so, yeah that was that this was we did in the last loop we just tried to uh to maintain a steady pace without overdoing it just 
to make sure uh, to get the ticket and to maintain the second place uh, and without trying to to get closer to the to the first runner we just mm -hmm. wanted to yeah to make sure to make a safe finish yeah well you're you're only the sixth female to go under 15 hours at Havelina, which is pretty amazing and now that you do have your western states ticket do you have any different strategies heading into this Western than from the last Western, which you had an amazing performance at well, as well? Yeah, so my last participation, my first <laughs> participation and my last as well, but um, it was really like a, a surprise again because uh, also there I didn't really have a specific uh, preparation because of my rolling mountains tour, uh, if you watch the the episode, you can see, you know, we were we went to the jungle having a basic life. Then we went on a motorhome trip, going to different places literally every day. And uh, that meant I had to adapt my trainings the best way I could to to the places I was. And you know, I didn't know the the mountain so i had to just you know wherever we slept i just checked on my on my gps watch what can i do which loop can i do how much elevation gain will there be without knowing anything about mm, the terrain being technical or non-technical so that was the most difficult aspect and uh so it wasn't uh, super easy uh but um yeah all the time i kept having this in mind I want to train well. So this was definitely the the journey where I was mostly focused on my preparation for Western State. Even though it wasn't so easy, uh, I, I was really focused on it. Apart from the traveling, I really wanted to to use this opportunity and to uh, I know it's not easy to get into Western States. And when I was given this opportunity, it was wow. You know, it's it's a dream really. Like even. For me, like it's, it's not easy to to get into this race. So, so yeah, uh, I didn't run anything of the course. Uh, I was adapted to to the life in in the states, I think. So to the, the to the food and to the um, to the, the hours of the day and everything. So so I had some things I was accustomed to, and other things maybe not so much. So, so for example, the course. But so I, I was really pleased about my third place. But I also felt. Uh, I can do this a lot better. Mm. And uh, that's also why I have always wanted to come back because I think I can do better in this race. I think this is really a race that really suit, suits me as a runner. It has a relative amount of altitude gain. Uh, it is, it has, it's not so technical, it's runnable. Uh, so it's, yeah, I, I think it's, it's super interesting way you know how can i get from a to b the fast way possible and adapt to the heat as well uh, i think it's it's the ultimate challenge so that's, <laughs> that's, and i hope i will be able to i have all this time now to prepare for this race so i'm i'm going to use this time and to prepare it the best way i can of course yeah well you are the current masters champion with the fastest time so you're you're, you're hoping to beat your own record <laughs> uh yeah definitely uh, yeah. I'm, I'm my own record <laughs> and I, I really hope i think i i think in my race i ran a really good first part uh, uh up until like 80 probably uh i remember like after the canyons suffering and i think people probably running into me a little bit uh and then when I started with my partner, he paced me. Uh, he was also inexperienced as a pacer. So even though we are like a, a pair, so we used to communicate well and uh, in an easy way, uh, he, he didn't have the experience. And so I think, you know, it's easy to improve on that because I think a pacer can really uh, help in your mind. You can a pacer can really make you run faster without physically helping you but just by helping you like by, with words motivating you or by setting the page and pace and uh, we didn't really you know he paced me and he he even suffered from the heat in the end and he was like <laughs> it was probably not clever to to let him pace the whole 60 kilometers because 60 kilometers in the end it's a lot to pace somebody and uh, because then 
think when you pace somebody at 30 kilometers, you can really focus on the on the person you are pacing. Mm. And when you have to run 60 kilometers, you have to also start thinking of yourself a lot. <laughs> and <Yeah>. that takes <laughs> that that makes that you cannot like look after the, uh, the your runner so well. I think so. So yeah, I think in the last part, I I personally suffered, and I could have. Uh, got more out of that last part and uh, yeah definitely I think I have to acclimatize to the heat and then I will be able if everything goes well and not, nothing goes really against me uh, with a good nutrition plan uh, I will be able to perform better I think <laughs> now big congrats on Havelina and of course we're going to be watching you at Western States but we do have one question for you because we looked at all your races around the world and there's one small little country <laughs> that you have not raced in and that's canada and we're wondering what's up with that why you've never come to canada and raced our races i i nearly nearly got there because <laughs> um i was actually in touch with the running clinic and that is present in several countries but it's from canada and I was actually going to, to race in Canada and come to visit Canada. But then because of COVID, um, I couldn't travel. Um, it, it was because uh, actually it was when many people started to return to traveling because they were all vaccinated uh, and which made it impossible <laughs> apparently to, to travel. I had decided to not uh, have any vaccinations and that meant that for me I had been free so far but from that time onwards for me it was a very limited time I was I felt a little excluded from society because of, of not accepting the rules um, the, the society had established and I couldn't I couldn't travel to Quebec and and I, I, but that is still high on my list. So uh, <laughs> yes, I would love to come to Canada. Yeah, yeah. I think Quebec <laughs> or Alberta, BC would be something that you would really enjoy for sure. Quebec is very, very technical. Very technical. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. Uh, so now you can. Yeah, uh, I would be pleased to to have any information on places to go, and uh, I don't know if there are communities who will be help to to accommodate me or to to show me around. Uh, I would be really pleased, and if I can participate in the race and combine that, uh, yeah, I'll be there for sure. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I just wanted to mention a little something funny on the side, and we don't have to include this in the podcast. But when you mentioned about your partner pacing you. At Western States, it reminded me that when Norman ran Havelina 100 Mile, he asked me to pace him for one loop. And at the time, the loop was 24 kilometers. And then all of a sudden, he said to me after the one loop, I need you for another loop. And I hadn't trained to do 48 kilometers, <laughs> but I did it yeah. anyway. And it became this interesting dynamic of, well, I have to be there for him. So I forgot about my own pain. But I yeah. think I think he was trying to trick me to say, hey, you can do 50K, you can do 80K. Ah, and it worked. Okay. It worked because I then did Havelina 100K <laughs> a couple of years later. So I thought that was a funny thing that you mentioned, especially with the partner dynamic. <laughs> yeah, so it works. Yeah, yeah, it works in both directions. It, it, that definitely worked there. Yeah. <laughs> I think in my case with Pere, I think he actually underestimated it because he's a good runner. So he he thought you know it would be a piece of cake. I would have I would I am slower anyway than he is. Uh, you know, having run already hundred kilometers, I thought he just thought it would be, would be super easy for him. And so he, he underestimated this, and and he actually for him. I don't know what time of the day it was, but it was like into the day and he had been crewing me before. He no. hadn't been looking after himself in the morning. And so he started maybe probably even dehydrated already. <laughs> and then during the race, he got more he dehydrated and he didn't have like a nutrition plan. So he just, you know, ran. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, there is more to it. I mean, 60 kilometers are 60 kilometers in the end. And when you have to pay, you are you are actually working. It's not 
just running. You have to look at this person and look after the person. So, so yeah, yeah, it can become tough as well, I guess. <laughs> wow. Do you have anything uh, planned before Western States that you might be racing, or are you just going to focus on your training? Um, I this morning I had a meeting with my coach, and so we planned a little bit. Um, first, now I I still have one. Uh, it's a 100k race by UTMB because uh, I want to keep option, my options open to run UTMB next mm-hmm. year. So I'm going to Thailand to Doi Intanon. Oh. It's a 100k race and um, the focus, will, well, I will be training for that, but uh, I only need a, a top 10 finish to be able to get those points. So there's no pressure on me, uh, but obviously... I'm a demanding person, so I will train and will, I will do my best and to see if I can, can be on the podium. But um, uh, my goal really is now to prepare my uh, a, a world record, an FKT on the Aconcagua. Mm. I climbed it in, the, in one of the episodes, in the yeah. South American yep. episodes, and I was ill. <laughs> I had a virus, <laughs> clearly. Uh, but... Uh, when I had the experience, it was very tough because of because of being ill. But with the altitude, I felt all right, and I th- I feel mm, confident uh, to be able to set a new world record on 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 it. And it is something I really look forward to because I am really intrigued by altitude and altitude mm. performance. And mm-hmm. um, so after that, uh, I might race also the Aconcagua Trail because I will be there. At more or less the same time and i could combine it and then uh, i will have a training training weeks just focusing on training uh i might do some like local races just for training uh and then i will run probably the peña golosa where i I ran the world championships in 2018 they have one and a half marathon so 64 65 kilometers Mm. race yeah, and then I think, oh, there's another race, like on the Canary Islands, I looked for because it's warm there and I, I want to get some heat training into it as well. So I looked for the Blue Trail uh-huh. and, and I hope it's 70 kilometers, I think. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure about uh, the details, but it has a similar ratio as the western states mm. so hopefully it will give me some information on how i'm doing and uh, to get me ready for for western states and then and then yeah that's it then western states will be there already so so not so many races but uh, <laughs> yeah and, and then canada <laughs> then uh yeah good plan canada uh, in between uh western states and UTB if i get there <laughs> or after UTMB go to Canada, that will be definitely an option because I have nothing planned after uh, UTMB. Okay. And oh. that's still the right time. September is gorgeous in Canada because the leaves are starting to turn. It's a perfect time of year and it doesn't get too cold. It's a nice, nice temperature. It's the perfect month, September. Okay. So, <laughs> so let's plan Okay, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> well, this, is, <laughs> this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. But before we let you go, we do a little pop quiz, fun questions at the end of every podcast. So we're just going to dive right into it now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's okay. Fine. So what's your favorite junk food? <laughs> uh... I, I'm really not a real junk food lover. Uh, I like sushi a lot, but it's not junk food, I think. That's, that's healthy food. So uh, probably I would say maybe hamburger or french fries. Ah. American food. <laughs> but I, I can assure you, I'm not fond of it. <laughs> What's your favorite type of music? I like a mixture of all types of music. Uh, I get bored listening just to one si- uh, singer, mm-hmm. even if it's just one CD. I have to stop the CD. Well, nowadays we don't have CDs anymore, but it's like <laughs> uh, I just like a mixture of anything, everything, and anything. And I love 
listening music in different languages. That mm. is probably the most characteristic about me. Like I love, I speak five languages myself and wow. I love to, to, to listen to the texts of songs. Like I love to listen to music with like meaningful song texts uh, in different languages. Mm. That's cool. What's another sport you'd like to excel in? Triathlon. Triathlon? Yeah, probably yeah. triathlon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and road running. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Liked it. Okay. Yeah, so definitely triathlon. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. Okay, since you know five languages, when you're on the trail and you hit your foot on a rock, What's the go-to curse word that you say, and what language is it in? <laughs> it's in Catalan. Uh, you know, I am from the Netherlands, and they say, you know, emotional things. You normally like uh, it's e the most easiest is to express the, your emotions in your own mm, mother tongue. Yes, but uh, I guess I've lived in Catalonia for so many years now that it has changed. Uh, I have to admit, I often think in English within myself. Just during a day, I, I find myself thinking in English because wow. I think it's just an easygoing language. <laughs> so easy to think in English. And um, <laughs> then when I hear myself speaking, I, I hear myself making all those mistakes and think, you know, you're, you can't speak English very well. <laughs> and, but uh, I love it. And uh, but but yeah, running, uh, it will be in, I will be saying words and loudly in, in Catalan usually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay norm pick a superpower that you'd like to have <laughs> i think flying yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> be able to fly <laughs> yeah. well i have one last question what were those green strips of tape that you were putting on your legs during rolling mountains yeah, I actually wore them at Javelina as well, but um, they are um, Nutri-Tape. The brand is called Nutri-Tape, and they, they are patches. They will give you uh, BCAAs and vit vitamins through your skin, directly into the muscle. Oh. Wow. And um, I have been using those patches for many years, and I really feel the benefit uh, in recovery. And mm. so when you wear them running, you feel that afterwards you can recover faster. And sometimes I even like renew them just for the recovery uh, period ah. immediately after a racing. And it, uh, it really helps. It's something that is not uh, scientifically completely proven, I think. But uh, in, in practice, you know, everybody who I know who has also been using them, they are always very positive about them so mm. whether it's like an ergo gynico i think is that how you pronounce it uh as eight or whether it's something scientifically like uh -huh. like really uh -huh. like acting uh, through your skin i'm not <laughs> sure but definitely yeah definitely it is uh, uh it helps a lot so yeah that's that's why i wear them how do you spell the name i want to look it up yeah, it's called Nutri Tape. So N U T R I, and then it's tape. Okay. Okay. So oh, that's interesting. Like a nutrient tape. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, Very interesting. I don't think we have those here. No, I. Yeah. We'll have uh, to look them up. They should be. Yeah, okay. they should be able to. Yeah. I, I think definitely in North America, but yeah, I think they should be in Canada. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're gonna look. We're gonna look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ragna. We appreciate you relocating in order to uh, have some better connection with us today. <laughs> yeah. Thanks very much for having me, and I hope to to see you maybe in Canada. Yes. Yes. We'll we'll stay in touch. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye. 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 Have a good day. You too. And that was Ragna Debats from the Netherlands. And she speaks five languages. <laughs> I found it interesting how she said she, she often thinks in English, though. That's interesting. What was her curse word she said? Well, she didn't actually give one. <laughs> but she said that it would be in Catalan. 
which I can understand because it has more oomph to it. Yeah, well, we'll find out or ask her again. And <laughs> hopefully we see her when she comes to Canada. <laughs> yeah, we, we put on quite the guilt trip there, so <laughs> hopefully it works. <laughs> well, Havelina, she basically st- strategized that whole day. Mm-hmm. Coming in second place, Havelina getting a golden ticket back to Western States, hopefully beating her own record, master's record. Yes. Still, it was just 17 and change. Right. Incredible. That would be something to see that she beats her own record. Sure would. And of course, check out Rolling Mountains series on YouTube. It's seven episodes right now. Uh, it's just done incredibly. It's very well done. Very well done. Well, yeah, it's very well documentary. And she's basically, her and her family, including her dog, Brew, is living our lifestyle that we want to hopefully get to one day. <laughs> she's we're like watching going, damn it. Oh, yeah. It's just so epic beyond. But yeah, we will. We'll get there one day, Norm. We'll get there one day. We will. Yeah, subscribe, subscribe to her channel, Rolling Mountains. And hey. While you're doing that. While you're subscribing to her, why not subscribe to ours? <laughs> Gotta run racing. We're there. Takes two seconds. <laughs> Doesn't cost you anything. All right. Until next time. We are your hosts, Jody and Norman. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Please visit our website, gotterunracing.com, for more details and join us on social media at gotterunracing on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can support our channel by joining us on Patreon. All of the links can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Cheers.